The experience economy is a fast-growing sector. More and more consumers say what matters most to them is the experience they have with brands. In fact, 86% of consumers questioned in a recent Forbes survey said they would be willing to pay more if they received a great customer experience. I'm Jane Irwin, Senior Content Manager at SQLi, and I'm happy to welcome you to SQLi's podcast channel, Digital Chats. This is Exploring Digital Worlds, a series of podcasts focusing on expert insights into what's happening in the digital sector. Today, I'd like to welcome our Experience and Design Director for France, Roland Kolchakin, to the show. Roland has more than 20 years' experience in the world of CRM, data marketing, and customer experience. He's an author and public speaker, and he has a passion for urban culture. Welcome to the show, Roland. Hey, Jane. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us what exactly is the experience economy? Well, more than a strategy or a business objective, experience economy is actually a macroeconomic reality. Uh, this new macroeconomic reality is expected to generate more than $8,800 billion by 2028, according to a recent research made by Euromonitor International. Um, The experience economy gathers many different components between consumers, brands, platforms, media, technology, business models, and many other actors. So we can see the experience economy as the new form of consumerization, both for B2C brands, but also B2B brands. But how did it all start? You can find the first book written about this topic in 1999. This book was written by Joseph Pine and the title was quite clear, as it was the experience economy. Just to say that even in 1999, this book identified and defined all the key principles of the experience economy through dematerialization, consumerization, servitization, and the need for consumers to buy and live holistic and meaningful experiences, rather pure transactional interactions. And when you say servitization, Roland, what is that exactly? Well, it's just to mention, you know, the switch from a product traditional development and offering to the need to have, you know, subscription-based model, you know, to get more money and more frequency in terms of income through this strategy. Okay. And you know what? The author, Joseph Pine, so perfectly through this e-business wave in the late 90s and early 2000, this massive paradigm change that was about to happen. And furthermore, this transformation was also the result of another massive change due to the fact that right now, the consumer were about to be more and more in control with more power in order to challenge the brand and set their own expectations and aspirations about the relationship that they really want with the brands. So, Roland, I read in an article that you wrote um, not so long ago um, that you said it's not just about experience, but experiences. Um, what exactly was Absolutely. the message behind all of that? Well, the message behind is to say that um, any brand experience from a global standpoint is finally based on multiple interactions, right? Or micro experiences. And all these macro experiences lead to the feeling of living a global brand experience with a tone, a singular signature, and way to deliver it. And when you say signature, what are we talking about exactly? 
Well, it could be about the purpose of the brand. It could be about the graphical identity, the way that they are delivering the services to the customer. So it's an idea of how a brand illustrates their own singularity. That's and kind of personality kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Uh, because right. finally we can see a brand like a living organism, you know? Yeah, exactly. And back to the question, um, the idea of multiplicity is deeply linked to the hyper-complexity that became finally our new normal for brands, marketing teams and chief experience officers. We see an incredible increasing of complexity for sure in the consumer journeys, Uh, we see a massive increase of technology year after year, especially on, uh, uh, of, on uh, different kind of segments. I can talk, for example, for a segment that I know pretty well, which is a marketing technology segment. Mm -hmm. And what is really strikes me is that finally software and applications are eating the world. And I can also talk about what we see in terms of exponential volumes of data with a lot of patterns. So the conjunction between all these trends is generating the need to manage a huge number of combinations in terms of experiences. And how do you manage this huge number of combinations? It's thanks to the help of artificial intelligence. Okay. So we know that Now, a good brand or customer experience is not only something between a seller or a buyer-consumer. We have to consider the whole chain of people and stakeholders who are contributing to deliver these experiences. To my eyes, uh, this is why any good CX strategy has to deeply integrate both the quality of the employee experience, but also the quality of the partner retailer experience when you have to deal, and it's only an example, in a B2B2C model. So there are many people involved in this, okay. You know, there's a lot of talk today about delivering authentic moments. What's involved in this? Yeah, authentic moments. It's not a so natural questions when you are dealing with technology, e-commerce, mobile applications, self-care portals, or for example, conversion, conversational agents. All of these innovations made a lot to improve and help the customer experience. But uh, even if this technology helps consumers to reach a high level of maturity and autonomy and help in a other way to the hyper-personalization trend to be delivered at scale in order to be more impactful and more engaging during what we call the micro-moment or uh, signals, it's also time now to consider a new purpose for the brand experience, which is to reconnect with authenticity and responsibility. This is what I call, finally, delivering authentic moments. And you have wonderful brands, for example, like Patagonia, who are really able to connect both this purpose uh, behind the reason to exist for the brand and the way to deliver in a very meaningful way, in a very concrete way, all these authentic moments. And you talk about micro moments or signals, as you say. Do you have an example of a micro yep. moment or a signal? As soon as you go on a website, you are making an interaction, you are downloading or fulfilling a, a form, you, you can spend more than one minute on a product page, let's say that it's a micro signal which can be exploited by the brand. Okay. 
So yes, I'm a strong believer about, you know, the need to delivering authentic moments because it's even more crucial when you take a look at the time we are living now because mistrust, artificiality are everywhere, even in the way that some brands claim how they are delivering customer experience in an authentic way, but most of the time they fail to deliver this promise. So what is the balance finally between authentic moments and you know uh, your you know price policy and what is the value for price my feeling is to say yes consumers do care and they will still do care and pay attention to the price and the value for what they pay but in this very tight economic context even in this tight economic context sorry but they are also expecting for more and more sense authentic moments and all, the, all of that play a big role to deliver the brand experience in a meaningful, sincere and sustainable way. Okay, so it's all about authenticity. Absolutely. Okay. So how should a brand with both a physical store and an e-commerce website handle experience, in your view? Well, since we started this discussion, <laughs> I realized that we talked a lot about complexity. But even if the world is more and more complex, it become more and more hybrid. And uh, I was mentioning, you know, this hybrid trend when I was talking about this, you know, convergence that you can find in the CX between physical spaces, digital spaces, and how it brings complexity to deliver, you know, this unified and closed loops uh, customer experience. And you know what? Finally, consumers doesn't really care about which channel is leading the interaction. They are looking first to fulfill a need, solve a problem, leave an emotion in a given moment, whatever it takes. We know that they can start the buyer journey online, go to the shop, check the product, try the product, and then order in line. There is not anymore, you know, one only monolithic pattern. Uh, so the goal is really for the brands to master the complementarity between digital and physical and clarifying the role of each channel and each touch point in the journey. And of course, they have to adapt with agility. That makes a lot of sense, but it must be very challenging for brands. Yeah, for sure, because uh, they have a lot to they have to deal with architecture issues, data issues. Uh, they have also to reinvent uh, themselves. You can see, you know, how fast. Some of them have adopted and deployed the click and collect service that we see uh, that this kind of service really exploded during the pandemic. But it's only one piece of the story because right now click and collect is really seen like a, a very common commodity. The idea now is to see how they can develop new use cases for innovation and rethink the role of the physical store, especially when you don't have the critical size, which is the case, for example, for what we call the digital native vertical brands. A digital native vertical brand, okay. Do we have some examples of those brands? Yes, for example, uh, you have brands like uh, Beard, who are uh, specialized, you know, in the in the bed. Uh, you have... Uh, oh, you mean mattresses? And yes, that sort of yes. Thing? yeah. Yes, thanks, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So, and what is interesting when you see the strategy of digital native vertical brand is that they are not really planning to open a store for selling something, but just to create a new type of physical experience, you know, to present and highlight a product or a service, but that you 
can, that you will buy online. It's just another way to rethink the role of the store or a physical uh, store, you know, in your architecture. So it can help, for example, to make product education, to help for product customization. So yes, it's just only, there is not only one way to think the way that modern retail can reinvent uh, itself. Just to say and to conclude, to master this kind of strategy, brands have to rely first on a unified omni-commerce architecture, and this is at the heart of the business and what we are dealing with when as a SQLI, right? And this kind of uh, approach helped to, to break the well-known silos, you know, that most of the brands are still struggling and dealing with. And by doing this, we are able to unify customer data, offers, transactions, and all the processes in real time. Uh, what brands, in your view, are doing experience really well, Roland? Breaking news. <laughs> to deliver first-class customer experience, you don't necessarily have to be a world company or one of the leading big five tech companies. Actually, you can find many confidential brands who are doing very well in terms of customer experience or brand experience, you name it. Uh, especially, you know, the, like this whole new wave that we are talking about who are the DNVBs. And you talked about confidential. Can we just... Yeah, more recently I got interested on various brands and more confidential like Lululemon, Bold Breakfast Club, uh, Sleeping Numbers, uh, USAAA, um, and... You know, of these, all of these brands finally have their own way, you know, to, to go to the market, to talk to the customers. For example, if we are talking about Okado, Okado is a retailer, but it's also a tech-driven tech company, sorry, with massive capabilities in terms of innovation or execution. But why but, are they called confidential, Roland? Yes. Why confidential? Uh, because they are finally very recent on the market and they are, in a, you know, in a, in a growth Basis. I get it. Okay. So yeah, so uh, they are not, you know, uh, very well known as you know the leading consumer mm, brands. Yes. Okay, sure. But they are driving and leading by the example, and they have a strong digital DNA. Mm -hmm. They do care about innovation. They are hiring creative and talented people. So yeah. Great. But just to to get back, you know, at this technology uh, question. Uh, I just wanted to say, and let me be very clear about it, technology cannot create magic by itself. You have to consider the whole equation of the CX and make magic happen through advertising, employee experience, we, we talked about it earlier, responding well, be able to respond very well in moments of truth, the moment when a customer, user interacts with a brand uh, and change the impression about this particular brand, provide usable service, transparency, sustainability, moments of authenticity, we, we were talking about that. So, yeah, finally, uh, the key of the success is to build a great and shared customer-centric culture and be able to spread this culture all across your organization, day after day. I really like what you said, technology can't create magic all by itself. So there's yeah. Lots of things going on here. Okay, perfect. So, what are the risks when an organization fails to provide experiences? Well, um, there are two sides of the middle. Financial and non-financial risk. Uh, very recently, I saw uh, a research made by Siegel and Gate that 
estimate that 98 billions of dollars is left on the table every year by companies who are not able to deliver simple, clear and intuitive experiences. So yeah, there are strong impacts on financial and stock market for brands and all of these losses are for real. So don't forget that. You can also measure, you know, the impact on the financial loss because of the lack of the right data, right technology, right skills, or right processes. Companies are losing productivities, sales, and are circling around the same issues without solving them. So for sure, there is a financial loss behind that. If, I, if we talk about the non-financial uh, risk, you also have to deal with other issues like reputation or brand equity that can impact a lot, you know, the brand perception on the market. So okay. all that to say that uh, it's very, very risky business when you are not investing enough in the customer or brand experience. Yeah, because they've got huge amounts of things they can lose, mm. as you said, financially and non-financially. So Roland, do you think the experience economy is more relevant to the younger generation? Well, I don't want you know to be too dogmatic <laughs> on, okay. on my answer. Uh, let's try to stay very factual. Um, if I see all the new codes of the experience economy based on entertainment, convenience, influence, the permanent recording, social medias and social statue, uh, we know that all of that stuff really matters for the young generation like Gen Zers, mm -hmm. right? Uh, because this generation has more expectation than a simple product. And, you know, by the way, sometimes they are the product if it's free. The choices in terms of brands becomes clearly a part of their own identity. And it's really, really important there because uh, the, the choice uh, that you will make in terms of brands and the related communities that you are about to join uh, define your identity, define yourself. So it's really very important for brands to have this dimension in consideration. The other dimension is that this generation um, don't have to deal, you know, with the common issues about digital maturity and their capability to adapt uh, or to adopt, sorry, all the digital tools because they were born and raised with technology all around them since their, their childhood. It's not, more, it's not anymore a problem. And furthermore, this generation are the innovators. So what is the role of technology in the experience economy? Well, uh, again, uh, since we start this discussion, I really try to, to have a very well-balanced you know, view of, of, of this topic. So uh, I mentioned that you know, technology cannot create magic by itself, but let's be honest. Uh, in this uh, platform-based economy, uh, technology is a key component, okay? So, and we know that most of the more experiential brands that we can find on the market are also tech-driven companies or can at least rely on a strong technology stack in order to motorize all the data, all the interaction and all the process. So yeah, the technology is key in this time of acceleration and it's also key because we have a strong need for real-time and contextual experiences. Uh, technology is also key to help in the marketing personalization, personalization at, at scale, and it's also needed uh, because it will help your organization to connect 
your whole value chain from front application to back office system like ERP or billing system because you need to see the customer experience as one end-to-end -end flow. It cannot only rely on the front office application. You have to connect your whole value chain and all the system. And the way that I see the role of the technology in this time of regulation uh, leaded by, you know, regulators like GDPR or other, you know, uh, uh, local uh, policies is that finally technology is a key enabler to make your company compliant with many, many various legislation around data privacy, but, around, but also around more and more sustainability. So this is how I see technology in this whole equation. Just to wind up this really interesting interview with you, Roland, today, um, can you just share your views on what you think the future looks like for the experience economy? You kept uh, the most tricky question for the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, who can tell? As a personal prediction, uh, I would say that experience economy will finally evolve at the crossroads of three major trends. Uh, the technology trends with the acceleration of autonomous system based on artificial intelligence. Secondly, the sustainability trend because brands cannot ignore anymore the impact of the environment and uh, the way that consumerism should evolve as a social uh, factor. So, yes, and how the consumer will need to consume these products and services in the future, in which social context, with uh, which value system behind this, uh, and that will restructure our modern economies. So, yes, there are many questions to answer if you want to make a prediction about the future of experience economy. But this is how I see the thing. Great. Well, it's all fascinating stuff, Roland. So how, how do people find you, Roland? Are you on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram? How would we find you to learn more about Yes, uh, <laughs> well, I'd be happy to get in touch uh, with uh, anyone interested and you and pursue the discussion so you can find my profile on LinkedIn. So please don't hesitate to connect. It was great to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Jane.